This episode is sponsored by TGW.com. The Golf Warehouse is an online store that's an awesome place to snag some new gear whenever you need it. I know that over the years I've picked up a bunch of good stuff from TGW. Always feels like I'm at a shortage of who knows, shirts, shoes, gloves, extra hats, maybe a new putter after the last one got thrown in a lake. Uh, But did you know that they actually have a 230,000 square foot warehouse for the 40,000 products that they sell? That's pretty crazy. So if you need some essentials like gloves, range finders, shorts, pants, uh, go check out TGW. They actually have their own brand, which delivers a high level of performance with pricing you need on gear that you go through frequently, like that kind of stuff. Make sure to check out what they're doing and all the TGW is doing at tgw.com slash GSL. And you can use the coupon code GSL for an additional percentage off. Uh, Make sure to go over to tgw.com slash GSL and make sure to use that coupon code to let them know that you're listening to the podcast and that you headed over to their site and purchase something. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking to the leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome down to the podcast. Uh, This past week, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. I happened to pick up a cold. I don't know how that happens, but apologize about the voice. Uh, And I was hanging out with Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen of Vision 54. And we recorded an awesome conversation for the podcast. Uh, If you don't know them, they are two, I would say coaches would be the absolute best word to describe them because they help people perform at their best. Vision 54 means that they believe uh, and that we should all believe that eventually someone will shoot 54. They'll birdie every hole. They'll perform at their very, very best. And, and so a lot of what they do is around kind of the playing skills, the human skills and the things that help us unlock that better performance. Uh, we did a few podcasts with them back in the summer of 2017 when they re- released their book, Be a Player, one of my favorite books. No matter your skill level, definitely check it out. But in this conversation, we are talking about their journey this past year with Aria Jutanagarn. She is the number one female player in the world. And uh, we talk about the journey, what's going on. And in the, the insights here are fascinating. Everything from, you know, talking about technique changes and how they actually taught, looked at a technique change midway or, or toward the end of the season, decided not to make it. And she played some of her best golf in spite of that. We talk about, um, we, well, we really start this conversation, we frame it around this element of control. What can we control and what can we control? And just so many insights, uh, whether you are a player looking to pick up, you know, some some mindsets about how to play better, you're a coach who wants to help their players perform at their best. Man, this this conversation is just packed full of such useful advice. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on the website, throw in your email address so you can stay up to date on everything that we're doing because we have some awesome things in the works for uh, 2019. The plans are really coming together and some exciting, exciting things you're not going to want to miss as really we continue this journey to understand how to play better golf, how to get better. How do we always keep learning? How do we improve and how do we perform? And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy that. I hope you enjoy this conversation and we'll talk to you next week on our next episode. 
The sponsor for today's episode is Gravity Fit. Gravity Fit is a great feedback device and uh, they're helping to fill the white space between knowing what is happening in your golf swing and actually making a change. As motor learning and effective practice is heating up, Gravity Fit is making equipment and instructional content that fits squarely into this space by providing real-time feedback on posture and movement quality. PGA Tour winner Cameron Smith is a huge advocate for the products using them for anything from gym work to pre-round warm-up to hitting full shots on the range. Cam realizes the importance of being provided with consistent feedback on his posture and movement, whether that's simply going through his usual routines or really trying to make a technical change. Cam knows there's a strong relationship between his body moving right and his ball striking and gravity fit is a key part of ensuring that he is on the right track. Uh, You know, the feedback that gravity fit really gives is fantastic. Check out how it works. The, the, the best thing that you can do is watch a video. We have one over on our site, golfsciencelive.com slash gravity fit. Uh, we have a bunch of videos there. You can head over to gravityfit.com to learn more. They have an article on there so you can see how Cam incorporates gravity fit into his prep. All right, here we go. So I, we're going to start with this article because I uh, I think there's a quote in here and it's going to start us on a conversation which is interesting uh, and it's with Aria Jutena Garden close okay there we go she just uh, got back to number one in the world yeah. so ex- exciting stuff here and you guys have been with her on this journey so here's a quote which I think is going to spark some interesting conversation so um, she let a seven shot lead get away from her at the US Women's Open but came back to win in a playoff uh, and here's the quote I learned so much about myself on that back nine she said I started thinking about winning the tournament then I had to come back to the goal of just committing to what I can control so at the place to start, which is uh, what can we control or, or what is she saying there you guys have talked about with her? <clears throat> well, I, you know, some people call it the process, but, um, you know, the main thing is for players to understand what it is they can control and they can't control, even though in this case, like, you know, she wants to win the U.S. Open. She wants to win a lot of tournaments. And that, that's great to have that motivation, but then you need to get it down to what am I going to put my action on? What am I going to put my attention on that's actually 100% under my control? Yeah. So we like to go through that with all level players, actually, because, you know, sometimes they go, like we ask them, so the weather, they say, oh, that's easy. No, it's not under my control. And then go score. And then they go, but they have to learn you can influence it, but you can't control it. And we keep like narrowing it down. And even they come to the swing. And after a while, most people realize that actually consciously you can't, you don't even want to control it. So what well, is it in the act of playing on the golf course? And we want them to learn to list as many things as possible from that I actually make a clear decision before stepping in, that I keep my focus in the play box till the end of the swing, till I keep my hips mobile between shots, you know, whatever it might be. And then for each player, figure out what is actually most important. Yeah. yeah. But Pia, I just want to go back because I think, you know, when we do have this discussion, and it's always an interesting discussion with players and then with teachers, mm-hmm. and it can be a very different uh, kind of response. But let's just say with players, when they go, well, yeah, I can control my, my score, and then we'll say, but then why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah. And it's the same thing with the swing. You know, like, yeah, of course I have control of my swing. It's me and my body. Who else could control it? And we're like, well, then why don't you? 
you know. So they realize that there is this part of them that they've got to give up that conscience, conscious control. Yeah. So we think it's incredibly important thing, and with area here, of course, is something we talked about a lot. And anyone who wants to be a good competitive player need to zero in and be best in the world at the things that they can actually take action on. You know, Annika Sörenstam, it was it was one of her core things that she was brilliant at. On every day on the golf course, she decided what to take action on that's possible to take action on, and she did it, no matter what. Yeah. And Aria is, you know, still young, but she's learning, and that's actually what really happened there at the at the US Open because it was slipping away from her, and she got stressed and nervous, and she quit committing to what we call her think box and play box. She was just anxious and nervous and but she caught herself. Yeah. Of course like when you have a seven shot lead <laughs> with nine holes to play, you kinda think, oh well it's, I mean not that she thought this, but you know, the r- viewers and even the commentators were like, Oh, this is you know, this is a done deal. Mm-hmm. Well it's not a done deal and um, it's never a done deal. <laughs> and so I mean even heard Tiger talk about that with his his last shot into the green, you know, with his eightieth win. Um, but with Aria it's something that you know, she's grown into this awareness of when she's not there, mm-hmm. and she's really more into wanting to hit a really good shot or get a good outcome or hit a close. I mean, even this year, her last full swing uh, into the green on uh, 18 at the CME, she pulled out of her play box because she knew she was like, oh, she was having a conversation in her head. Oh, I want to hit a really good shot. This would be my last swing of the year. And she caught herself. So there's another level of this where a player needs to understand what's under their control and what's not under their control, but then to have a good sense of self-awareness when they're not there. Yeah. So with with area for her, it's so important in a think box, not only to make a decision, but that she can really feel the shot inside of her before she steps into the play box but she needs to like feel it already like the good feeling what she wants to do and then in her play box she she usually have a combination she usually has a feeling of rotating her arms but also sometimes with tempo sometimes with balance at finish and so when she said um, I need to commit it's to committing to what's important for her and I think box and play box so as I was thinking about this chat and thinking about this structuring around control, I was asking some uh, someone like, "What what do you think we can tr- control?" And, and my buddy said, well, "You control your golf swing," and that was one of the first things that you said is that, and I, and at this point in my life and what I've learned, I agree with you 100 percent is we can't control our golf swing. And I think a lot of instructors, I've heard instructors say like, you know, you've got to control your golf swing, right? So what what is your truth? Or around that, what should you be doing, or what is the the shift? Well, the, the the thing is, when when you get really good at all the things that you can control, like I can't control my my setup and my grip and all the pre swing stuff, and then if I learn to control the think box, play box, and actually learn to be expert at that, I'm going to have a higher degree of influence on my swing. But it's no one gets to 100% because there, there are too many millions of pieces of things that goes into the swing. And if we understand anything about what the performance state is in golf and in anything else in life, you want to let go of the conscious control anyways when it's time to perform. 
So, you know, you can say it's more, you get high degree of, of uh, subconscious control. That's okay. But it, it's really important because when we have this at golf school and we ask golfers in general, many are led to believe that I should be able to control my swing. And when they can let go of that belief, it's amazing how much they relax. And actually they start making better swings. <laughs> because they're not trying something that's actually impossible. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I was going to say that liberation isn't just a mental liberation, no. it's a physical liberation, where all of a sudden, you know, they're, like Pia said, their tempo's better, their balance is better. I mean, they start hitting it farther, and they're like, but I didn't do anything to do that. We're like, we know. <laughs> kind of going back to the performance state, you've got to start honoring that, you know, you need to get into this certain performance state over every shot. You know, some golfers experience, they always say, well, when I drop a second ball down, down and hit it, always hit it so much better. And it's often when they just let go a little bit more. <laughs> but then they're not trying hard enough, right? <laughs> That's a very, very good uh, discussion to have too, what trying hard is all about. And I think anyone who plays golf that is a high achiever and maybe a really good student, and you know, when you take tests, if I just study hard enough, I know I'm going to get a good grade on the test. Golf doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't. So we have to really be clear about what trying hard actually is all about. Yeah. Oh, I think that's an awesome anecdote that you said of how she pulled out of that her shot on 18 of her last hole because you wanted to hit a good shot. And most people would be thinking like, that's what she should have been doing is trying to hit a perfect shot, right? Like I'm going to hit this within five feet because that's what I need to do to play best because I'm going to try hard, right? Uh, but that's not what you've seen work for, work for no, people. I mean, no, I th mean, this is not a good metaphor, but I said it anyways. It's kind of like, you know, the the goal is to hit that good shot. It would be like me, I mean, driving to talking stick this morning is my goal. But then when I'm in the car, I need to focus on driving. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I don't know where I'm going and what the end goal is, but I need to know, I actually need to navigate the highways and be present to what I can do right now. So it's it's a little bit, of course, we do all that we do to help golfers shoot low scores and win, but we want the smartest way to actually get there. Yeah. And I was going to say, we actually have coaching this afternoon with a player that... Um, has gone down that road of trying to control his swing and every aspect of his swing. And no, and there isn't a player I've ever met that works harder than, than him. Um, but he's realized, you know, when he really understood what a performance state was and what the play box was, that there was this other piece. And he's starting to get into that and really embrace it. And we just got a text from another PGA Tour player that said, I, you know, can I get a few minutes with you guys the next couple of days to talk over this swing thing? <laughs> Because, again, he's kind of gone off on a couple of different detours of really, like, he's been sold a bill of goods that, you know, if you work on your swing hard enough and do this, you know, the right way and we get all the protocols set up, you're, you're going to have a better swing. But there's this whole missing piece that all golfers, whether you're a professional golfer or you're the best in the world, like Ari Jutanagarn, is this thing of called human variability. And you're going to be different from swing to swing and shot to shot and from the back nine to the front, or front nine to the back nine. So what we we really tried to do is, un, you know, this is people don't like this because they're like, I want to control everything. But you can't control variability, yeah. but you can be aware of variability. Yeah, yeah and, and what we often say here, 
Because many think like, okay, so you don't believe in the technical thing. Of course we do. But there is more than technique influencing the technique. And so we just need to get enough pieces that actually influence the technique to have better technique. <laughs> and, you know, so, and, and that's what's so fun and so fascinating. And when we talk to the players that then have won the majors or have performed extremely well, and what, what they share the experience of playing really great, they're not controlling their swings. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so how can we just achieve that more often? And, and uh, anyways, yeah. yeah. So, well, and I just would like to go back to area a little bit, but we, we sat here in January of, of this year and, uh, and we talked about how would you like your year to be and what, what things would be under your control that you'd like to achieve. And it was a really fun session. We did it with both her and her sister. And, you know, she wanted to get better at her self-talk. She wanted to get better at her play box and committing to it. She wanted to get better at her emotional resilience. Yeah, she wanted to hit the driver a few more times. <laughs> yeah, she did. But it's interesting because she didn't set any outcome goals. No. And she swept all the LPGA records this year. Mm. I mean, she won every award you could win when it came to, you know, top Before. 10 finishes, birdies, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, it was the first time a player's actually done a, a sweep of all the awards, but she didn't set any of those outcome goals. So, yeah, no, I guess to, to bring clarity, so performance and outcome goals, outcome goals being I'm gonna set the record, performance goal being here's what I'm just gonna do on a daily or whatnot basis yeah i mean i mean we often performance we we tie into the the outcome and winning so but we say often players like even her she wants to win a lot she wants to be the best but then she puts all her attention on more what we call the to-do goals the actionable items the things that are actually going to be better at and improving on and if i do those the outcomes will happen but for many players like area it was, it's really important because if she only focuses on the outcome stuff, it locks her up. But if she focuses on these things that she actually likes doing and makes her proud if she does them, then the performance follows. Yeah. So, I mean, this gets back to the control thing, the start of the conversation. But like if, if somebody's sitting here saying, you know, I, I, whether they're in college and I need to, you know, make the team this year or they're just trying to lower their handicap, we automatically go of, all right, I'm a 10 handicap. I want to be a five. So I'm going to go do that, right? Whatever that means. Right. And instead, we need to pick actions that we control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. You, usually I always ask the player because we get many that say that and there's nothing wrong. We want them to have these vis- vis- you know, vision and dreams and things, but then, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, we need to come to some <laughs> something to take action on. Yeah. Well, and I just heard like it was a, I just heard it was a you know, very accomplished swing teacher that said, <clears throat> yeah, but I, you know, I also believe in the process. So players hear that, oh, focus on the process, you know, but they don't really know what the actions are of the process mm. and what actions that are going to give them individually the biggest ROI on the process. Yeah. It's just this kind of, you know, global idea of I'm going to focus on the process, yeah. you know, even though I want these outcomes. Yeah. But they so, don't know what it is. No. So as a starting template for golfers is to at least figure out something they know they need to do before a golf shot, what we call the think box. And they need to figure out something at least they know they need to do in the play box during the, what is the, during the swing. And they need to figure out something that's good for them to do after a golf shot. 
we call the memory box, and then they need to figure out at least one thing that they know is essential for them to do between shots, which is enormously much time playing golf. <laughs> then, then you have a mini starting template on things under your control. Yeah. So in, in your example of Aria, um, she was working on the playing skills or the human skills yeah. or what things that yeah. you talked about in yeah. those performance yes. goals. Did she have technique goals as well for the year or was it a, a noticing or is it like, all right, this is my focus on these things and then the technique is good. It's good enough. If I improve my skills in this area, I can perform it at my best. Or how does that? Yeah, I mean, in every place different. And when it comes with area, she hasn't been that interested in the technical stuff because she's just born with good technique too. But she stay very disciplined. She does her maintenance practice of a technique. So like early in the week, she, I mean, she stays doing her maintenance. So she, it was more about doing the maintenance of technique. And then she's has known she's been more underdeveloped in these other skills that influence the technique. Yeah, but I, I want to say this. We were at a, at a major um, with her in June. It was actually the KPMG, and this was an interesting thing. Uh, she knew she'd been committing to shots. So we were out in a practice round, and, you know, she'll turn, after she hits a shot, she'll turn to us and say, yeah, I was totally committed there. And she was able to make the distinction yeah. in this practice round that she, you know, she totally had committed, so things under control, but the ball went right in the bunker. And she said, that's exactly it. I know it's my swing right now. It's, mm. it's not about my commitment because yeah. I totally committed and, you know, it's something she needs. So she, she's very, I think, astute that way and that she could make this distinction. This is a swing thing and I need some help with my swing right now. Yeah. And she knew, knew it with that. She might just say the word commitment, but what she means she knows it was nothing about the tempo. It was nothing about added tension. It was not about not being decisive on the shot. It was not about not staying focused. But I'm, I would learn there. She's like, it's one of the few players that already at this age can tell the difference. And that's way, way cool. Mm-hmm. You know, the opposite is almost that. what you hear more is that players have a really good swing, but they have no idea if they've been committed <laughs> to the shot. No, you know? they, so they, just, they don't have that awareness. Yeah, and not only committed, <laughs> they have very, very low self-awareness of themselves playing golf. So they might think, well, I'm all good. My, They'd say my mental game was perfect. And then we watch them for two holes and it's not even close because they have they have never trained it and their their awareness is not there and uh, so that's interesting too so there's one element obviously of a, of a player having the self-awareness to understand that like you just described the other aspect is is you as the coach looking at someone and saying all right we need to work on your skills are you know you know what there actually is a technique change that we need to make yeah, exactly. how do you make that distinction so if we were to go out and and I was to go hit some balls. How do you make that distinction of, all right, Cordy, you need to go work on your skills. You need to work on your technique. Obviously, there's more of a process than that. But like, how do you, how do you figure that out? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is you've got to look at the golf swings that show up on the golf course. <laughs> and so, I mean, we've been saying that for years. And, you know, I still think we're unique in that, which is really crazy. You know, the only swing we really want to see can you perform is the one that shows up on the golf course. So that's what we, we want that context first. And then we want to see are there some patterns that 
keep emerging when we're on the golf course. Yeah. It, or, you know, or, or when the players on the it course. It might be very si- simple. It might be something with aiming or setup that we know is making it way too hard <laughs> to play golf or hit the bunker shot. Well, you know, you see with the... Well, you see a player that, you know, the club face is so shut on the top, he or she has no chance. But then it's going to be depending on their goals with golf and where they want to take it. But, I mean, luckily our background is as technical teachers, so we, we have that eye and see with where they're heading and with how much they practice golf and where they want to go, that this is going to be super essential. And then if it's a competitive player, it's to be delicate when is it uh, a good time to focus on it (laughs) but i i think all coaches should use extreme caution (laughs) because you know again you can get you can get this idea that you want you know the club face to look a certain way or you want the path a certain way or you want the ball fight to look a certain way and so you start imposing your own view of what their swing should look like or what their ball fight should even look like. And, you know, I, I, we were just talking about this the other day. I think it's, it's a much safer house to attend to the atypical. Like, how come they are able to hit shots and how come they're able to, you know, you know accomplish what they want to do with a golf ball with the club face open? Maybe they don't need to have it square. Yep. Like just attend more to the atypical and look for more of the genius in it versus trying to get them to fit a certain look you want. Yeah. And so I think, again, you've got to use extreme caution as a coach. Is like, yeah, we could make some swing changes here, but is it appropriate? Is it necessary? So I hear someone saying like, Oh, these, they just work with tour players who have ridiculous swings and skills, right? So this is not relevant for me. All right. So t- talk to that person, right? Oh, but yeah. I, I just, uh, we, well, we get them all the time, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, we spend more, more time with the, what we call the real players of the game. Yeah. And, uh, and, and once again, it's, it's for us to keep our mouth shut the first day of a golf school before we've seen them on the golf course because it's so often we see things we're practicing and doing things and you go like oh what's happening here but that we have learned through the years to just as patient we're going to see them six holes on the golf course because golfers are so different on the golf course so we we can't stress it enough and even if it's just one hole we we want to see them how they function in the golf course, and sometimes things they do in the range, even technically, are not there in the golf course or the other way around. But the the uh, it it's and it's amazing how more often with with the real golfers of the game, when they just get the hold of being a little more self-aware of tempo, a little more self-aware of tension in the body, and those simple things that are not mental skills, they're just you know body awareness things how many improve the technique so they didn't need to do complicated technical changes we could solve it in easier ways and it nothing makes us happier because our job is to get more golfers to play better golf on the golf course more efficiently yeah. <laughs> and we can we can accomplish it with less intrusive ways of doing it mm-hmm. it makes us very happy yeah i mean it, even though mr jones has horrible technique over there the reality is he's not going to change it. So by working on the the human skills, yeah. he's going to play a lot better, a lot faster, and enjoy 
playing golf a lot more by working on this other stuff than changing his wrist at the, at the well, top, right? Yeah. Well, that's where we've come to. And let's say, let's, let's do that. And then see, many say, well, I'm happy now. I don't need anything else. So maybe some say, no, I want to go further. But we think, well, do it like that. And then the reality is, like you said, many of those, they never have the time and energy to do all the practice necessary to make the changes and their age and how much time they spend on the range so they might say they do but very few do and i think we need to face that truth yeah well and and pia you often say that let's just get your your human skills to a baseline and then see what your technique looks like because you can't separate them they're they're integrated they mean in the experience of playing golf and hitting golf shots and you know putts and so forth so let's just get get it to a baseline just you know functional baseline and then we'll see and then if you know if like you can't keep it on the golf course if you're still in the desert. <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll address it. Because yeah. honestly, just with the one thing that what we call the play box, but when you have actually a focus that you stay with till the end of the swing or end of the stroke, on the golf course, it's amazing how many swings improve because mm-hmm. they play golf for the last 15 years. As soon as they get to impact, they panic about the outcome. So for many, just learning to stay with an awareness till the end of the swing improves their technique. <laughs> and that can only be done by being on the course with them. Yeah. And yeah, I would just like to add one more thing to that, Cordy, is I think, you know, when we see players, as Pia said, like work on their balance, their tempo, and their tension awareness, and they just get, again, a functional awareness of those things in their motion, and then they are able to stay with that awareness to mm-hmm. the end of the swing. Like, their swings get better without them ever needing to know a thing about their swing. So that's like a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not having to fight that I'm consciously competent, but I can't let go. Mm-hmm. But now because you've just worked on more, you know, proprioceptor awareness through balance, tempo, and tension awareness, we see this all the time that people's golf swings improve without them having to think about it or know how the watch works. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just think we're such incredibly fun times being coaches in golf. And because, you know, we think it's so great that the technology and all the science about the detail of the swing and the human motion that we get further and further along there. And we think it's way cool. And we can never let go of the point of it all, which is to play golf on the golf course. So we often say that, you know, is a, we have to first answer the question, is the game played on the golf course? And most of the people we ask, they say yes. And then the second question is, is the game played by a human being or a robot? And usually we get the answer of the human being. And so we, with all the advancement in the details of things, it's fabulous, but we, we have to have equal or more light actually on the whole point of the thing, which is to play golf on the golf course with a human being who's variable. <laughs> Yeah. And we have a body, we have a mind, we have an emotion. So it's like to integrate that with a technique. And uh, that's really, really fun today to see how we can do it. Yeah. And yeah, I just wanted to add that because we often talk about this. Could we elevate the whole golf industry? I mean, now teachers, coaches, to get past this dichotomy to a, a, more of an integral look at the whole thing. 
you know, and because I think there's just so many uh, real golfers out there that are struggling and they are putting time and money and energy trying to get better, but they're back into, well, is it swingers in my mental game? Let's have a higher level conversation. Mm -hmm. It's both. And then how do we integrate that? Mm-hmm. And how do you actually train that? And it's a lot more than mental. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I bet um, people are wondering, you said that at the KPMG, she was, it was a technique problem. What did you do? Like, how did you figure out what needed the technique to change? Or what was the assessment process and then change that well, was made actually, around actually that? how it ended up being was more clarity for her what happened, why the, you know, club face was open but actually she stayed all year kind of playing with it because she was so deep in her performance and she played in so many tournaments that she didn't want to start thinking about her swing so she she just started to understand more why Mm. but didn't go about trying to fix it too much yeah so, so you had talked about like here's oh, here's oh, the yeah. potential thing that we yes. could change yeah yeah and it wasn't even so much a change it was more like you know you're in the middle of the season it's june like you got yeah this major and another major coming up called the u.s open like what what drills can you do right now to get this swing functional so it was just get it really simple. Like here we know are three drills. When you do these drills, the path gets so much better. The face squares up to the path. I mean, just real simple stuff. And make sure that, you know, that keeps going all the way to the end of the swing. So it, was, it wasn't like rocket science, but with just a couple of drills, yeah. the golf swing could come back together yeah. to be very functional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where we, you know, really love, have really good teamwork with whoever is on the team with the player, that we're all on the same page with that. Yeah. And uh, in, in this case, you know, it was that way. So. Well, it was interesting because one person made a comment to the KPMG, she'll never win another tournament with a club face that open. And then she won the US Open. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great prediction there. <laughs> A yeah. plus work, yeah. 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 I, I mean, most people would most people would be shocked to hear that. They would assume that the first thing you do is is go into a deep dive to fix that for 20, uh, 2019, right? Like that would be the assumption of what you do of, of like, all right, let's get this taken care of and let's prep for the next year because it'll be a great year or something along those lines. So I, I think that's just, that's a fascinating that's a fascinating concept that there's something that you wanted to change, you did not, and then played amazing golf, right? Oh, and, and we just think it's so cool with, with the still a young player that we can have these conversations. Like, you need to make a choice her, and she's the one who made the decision, but she understood, like, what could what happens to her if she gets too technical during during tournament season. So it was, we, it was very, very... Um, fascinating and, and fun to be around that yeah. yeah are you making that change now for for next year or well it's 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 in the works yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. We, i mean there's discussion around how yeah. it'd be be how could you do that most efficiently sure <laughs> sure yeah Sure. I think, it, you know, last time I was here with you guys for a golf school and, and some of the training that you do that um, a lot of the drills and the way that you approach changing the golf swing are different as well. Um, like the one that obviously is going to stand out is like throwing golf clubs um, and, and stuff like that. So talk about a way, the ways or how you think about changing technique, because that's also different than what most people might think about. Well, you know, I think I think Lynn kind of said it before that, you know, the more ways we can help 
it be in implicit ways that you can make change without having to thinking about making changes. We know from all the research and all the personal experience that changes happen faster. Yeah. Well, this is going to, hopefully you can get this, uh, everybody who's listening, but I think Right now, what we have in the world is we have a lot of golfers trying to make explicit changes in their swing. Mm -hmm. And then they're more implicit with what we call the human skills. So they're just kind of caught up in words like trust it, be confident, Mm -hmm. uh, have good body language. But they don't really, they aren't explicit about it. (laughs) They're just words, right? So we've just like flipped that around. We're like, let's make the swing more implicit. Right. Let's make it so that you don't have to think about it a lot. And it's more of a a motor pattern that you're just aware of and you know how to adjust with variability. But darn it, let's make these human skills, these playing skills a lot more explicit. Like what what does trust mean? How do you do trust? How do you train trust? How do you how do you actually train confidence? So I think we we just flip it around. And um, and I just want to tell this story about the throwing the club drill which is you know one we learned from fred shoemaker years ago and we've kind of adapted but we taught that to area sister maria jutanagarn and it was just something we just saw that she didn't keep the energy going in her golf swing all the way to the finish so we had we had her do that drill and it was so incredibly uh important for her because her swing changed entirely Mm. i mean like her distance increased. I mean, there were so many things. And her swing teacher at the time said, I got her whole sequence changed once you gave her that drill. But she didn't have to think about sequencing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that's, again, what we'll always will try to do. How can we get players to make a, a, a pattern change or you know an adaptation without having to again know a lot yeah. about so so actually when we, we hear golfers telling us and happens more often in the golf school they'll say afterward yeah yeah my 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 swing is much better but we didn't work on the swing so i don't quite understand <laughs> it's okay yeah <laughs> it's okay yeah yeah no but it would be really good that you keep working on committing to your decisions that we really like you to do yeah so yeah oh i mean that that's kind of the external internal focus of of attention conversation right and and throwing a golf club is very external yeah Yeah. think about anything you know that you're doing and the external internal conversations i mean i always what I get, what I don't always think tells the whole truth, because you need the external ones for sure, because we have a target that's out there. But often when people talk about the internal, they only talk about the internal as having like swing thoughts. But many players need the combination of internal awarenesses of a tempo or central gravity, or but it's sensory mode. So I think the internal, if it's internal sensory, most golfers need that together with the external. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned a, a swing cue that area had of some. What was it rotating? Rotating arms. Okay. Yeah. And you feel like that's like an appropriate. Oh, absolutely. Like, because what what many players they usually don't need it when there there's no pressure, but when the pressure perceived pressure is there and the mind easily get distracted by outcome, what's going to happen, how am I doing? we all need the point of attention swinging and sometimes seeing the ball flight or uh, seeing the target or whatever it's not enough mm-hmm. and and she 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 has so we say you can have a, a a swing feel in the play box like she said but you always have to have other ones to not only swing feel play boxes and she she knows 
she's really good at that. And what's amazing about her too, and why it's so important to watch on the golf course, the swings she makes in competition under pressure are so totally different than any practice round and any time you ever see her or other top players on the range. <laughs> and uh, when she's under pressure, she likes the feeling of going hard at it. <laughs> well, and, and I'll just say back to this external internal thing, like um, a player that we worked with, I mean, for a while he was 100% internal and no external. And then he worked, you know, so we just talked about this a lot, like what, what percentage works for you? And, you know, so then he went too far the other way, just, just trying it out. Like you've got very external and, and not enough internal. And basically now after a lot of like checking this out in, in tournaments and of course in practice and then training, he's like a 60, 40. So he's like 60 internal and 40% external. But he knows his tendency is to want to increase that internal. Yeah. But that's kind of been because of the training he's had. You know, it's just a lot of swing things. Well, you guys are very good at helping people gain awareness of just exploring and trying things of like in the play box, what's your best kind of play box? Is it, you know, envisioning the ball flight with the blue line or like all those things that you have people explore? and see what gets them in the best state, right? And that, that's important. Like, we don't have to get stuck in one thing. Like, in fact, that's horrible. Our, our bodies change, we change, et cetera. So you should, you should be trying different things. You should, because your performance state is not the same thing necessarily today as it's going to be tomorrow. No, it's, it's variable as well. No, it, <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly, it's one of those things, Corey, I think in the last year or so for us, we've been even more conscious about just this ability to actually pay attention for a whole golf swing is lacking for most golfers. So we've started even having we have done these exercises now a lot we pick maybe four different play boxes could be one 75 percent tempo one seeing the ball flight one constant great pressure whatever but then we ask the golfers okay i want you to make a practice swing feeling 75 percent tempo and, and can you keep your attention yeah, on only the tempo to for the just this swing. rehearsal practice swing with no golf yeah, ball? And we have noticed most golfers can't even do that. They say, oh, no, I lost it after takeaway. Oh, no, I lost the transition. Okay, we have an issue here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we now have started more often with them do the attention training with the making golf swing and do it in different ways so you go, let's say I, I finally do pay attention to my temperature at the end of the swing okay now let's do it with the ball and now do it with the ball and the target but we've realized this we've taken for granted that all these golfers of course pay attention in the golf swings and we come to realize they do not so it's like comes before anything else we ever do that you actually need for a couple of seconds to stay on track with your attention hmm. yeah. so that's been awesome and so much fun to uh, to uh, check that out i mean is that an element of of someone like all right they're in their play box i'm gonna have this focus and then they take a backswing and then oh no where's you know like where's my face where's my you know the club face at the top of the backswing or like uh oh there go my hips or like whatnot yeah. that kind of concept Absolutely. of yeah exactly. or oh my god there's ob there it yeah. could be something external yeah. 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 yeah so and i think it's just because we're overloaded with information and it's the just the time we're in we have so much stimuli around us so but for being a golfer we we need to at least be able to pay attention and be have my own. I actually decide, but I can pay attention for 
couple of seconds, no matter what, in any situation. Well, <laughs> we, we do this kind of funny thing, but we'll be like, okay, you know, like when you're training a dog and, you, you know, you're doing that, you're like, stay, stay, stay. So you're just getting the dog to pay attention, right? You know, not go for the cookie. And it's the same thing with golfers in their play box. We're like, stay, stay, you know, just stay with it. You know, you're going to find out eventually which play boxes work best for you, internal, external, or some mix of them. But you just need to actually stay with it. Yeah. It's a skill. you got to practice it. <laughs> totally. Awesome. This has been fun. Thanks for having me back again. Um, it's always good to talk with you, with you all. Uh, the last series we did was right when the book came out be a player which was super fun people should go back because we walked through kind of like some of the core concepts of that book that was uh it's still my favorite golf book i think everyone should should pick that up and go through it um what else you you have going on that people should check out well we right now we're developing developing a lot more training programs that we you can sign up for so eight week or ten week or actually we're also going to start next uh, starting in january you can sign up to get one exercises to do every week of the year okay. via email. So we, we create much more um, uh, ways of training, but where you can you can choose what level do I want to focus on. But we'll be there coaching you and reminding you and helping you with that. Yeah. Love it, love it. And then uh, golf schools here at Talking Stick, do you guys have some spots open? or? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And um, for, for those who are local to Arizona, we've got our 54 play and, and 54 practice, but our golf schools, and then we have... Um, which three-day golf schools with Pia and myself, but then also we have a two-day golf school that's on course only. So uh, a lot of people have really enjoyed that. And I'll just say one, one again, an interesting thing that's related to what we've talked about is people come for that, and it's only on course. Uh, it's just warming up on the range. And again, people make swing changes without them having to think about swing changes. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been this has been fun. Great. Thank you, Cordy. Thank you so much to Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen for joining us on the podcast. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Vision54, and attend one of their golf schools if you can. I can't recommend it enough. In fact, I went to one a few years ago, made a video about it. You can find that on the website. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions.